I'm Jerome Hudson, Breitbart News Entertainment Editor, author of the book 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Joe Biden is distancing himself from what could be a massive rail strike only after taking credit for avoiding a potentially disastrous strike. Perhaps China's favorite American, Apple CEO Tim Cook, is headed to Washington. We discuss the ultimatum that powerful GOP congressmen like Jim Jordan should tell Mr. Cook. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem has banned TikTok for state agencies, calling the app an intelligence-gathering operation for communist China. How long before other governors ban TikTok? California is releasing thousands of convicted pedophiles within a year of conviction. And the GOP swamp creatures John Kennedy and Ted Cruz have once again launched a last-ditch effort to pass the media bailout bill, JCPA. We discuss all of that and more on today's show. strike. And I've been thinking about this ever since I heard Will Cow, Andrew Will Cow, on these airwaves uh, about about 16 hours ago, sort of just, uh, he didn't stumble into this story, but he he found it very interesting. And, and I did as well. So, so, so eight days, eight days ago, Corrine Jean-Pierre, who is the White House spokeswoman, constantly lies it is it is it is split between comedy and some sort of sad theater to watch Corrine Jean-Pierre lie and spin for Joe Biden's White House and boy she's been working overtime about eight days ago Corrine Jean-Pierre basically insisted that the president has she said quote directly involved in quote in negotiations to avert a massive looming potential nationwide rail strike. So you got freight rail uh, workers and passenger car rail workers. This is obviously something that I've talked about. Alex has reported on. It's been a huge story. And and, and the, the Biden administration took a victory lap a few months ago and said, oh, we averted this, this, this looming potential strike. Oh, it was historic in the negotiations that we did. Joe Biden wasn't we, there was nothing that we could point to to say that Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg, transportation secretary for that matter, was actually in, in deeply embedded and involved on the phones, working the lines. But the, the, no matter, Buttigieg and Biden took a victory lap a few months ago. We were told by the national lapdogs in the press that the strike was averted. And this all just happened to come neatly just before the midterms. Well, you know, just like stink, it actually has risen to the top. And oh, the truth is that, no, there wasn't actually a deal that the union workers have agreed to. Um, so now that we are here, um, uh, just just days after Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre's remarks, uh, Biden told reporters this week, quote, not not directly engaged. Well, I wonder why. 
Yeah, Will Cow on his show had some 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 rail workers or people purported to be union rail workers call in, and the big contentious point, or one of them anyway, is hours worked and man it, or people, I should say, on staff during those hours. Another one is paid sick days off. Apparently, the the workers and their the union on behalf of them are only asking for seven paid sick days. Um, I think there's some wrangling there. I think they want to be able to have some personal days. Maybe a child gets sick. Maybe, um, you know, a, a family member gets sick. An emergency happens. You know, so they want to be. They want some flexibility. It's just so weird, as as, as Wilkow pointed out. It's just we're now in a hyperspeed. Uh, economy. People have autonomy in a way that they've never had before. This was a big thing when Elon Musk took over Twitter. He was like, everybody's coming back to the office 40 hours a week. And it was like, well, I don't know, Elon. That's not really the way that the economy is working, thanks to the, the murderers who run the chi Chinese regime. And, you know, the pandemic pretty much upended the way our economy works in many ways anyway. But you, you, that doesn't that the, the laws of of, of rel relativity with the economy and remote working doesn't really work if you're a rail worker, passenger car or freight. You got to be there. You got to show up. They understand that. They feel like they've been overworked. Staffing has been under the base level for many years now, and and therefore they feel like they've been underpaid. And I guess insult to injury is, well, we are penalized for taking sick days and personal days are basically non-existent. So the the foot, political football is being kicked to Congress to step in and act to settle the dispute. Uh, this thing obviously has massive and serious uh, economic uh, consequences. Um I think uh, House Leader Kevin McCarthy was on Hannity basically saying that the deal that has been struck between the unions and the Biden administration is a good one on behalf of workers, but I'm not sure if that's true. There's apparently going to be some a 24% back pay increase, go, uh, increase in pay, 24% increase going back to 2020. Which is a lot of money, and certainly probably more than um, anyone outside of the rail uh, industry has 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 reaped in terms of of uh, of of a pay increase. But it's just it's just amazing to see the spin. A week ago, Joe Biden was right there, directly involved, according to White House spokeswoman, and now Joe Biden himself is saying he's not directly involved. Um, we'll continue to report this story, but my goodness, I mean. It's a massive one. Um, I saw this as I am watching the establishment media preparing for the show. I thought it was interesting. And this actually ties in to something that's probably the biggest story on the planet. And, and I, I use those words um, uh, intentionally because the protests erupted again late Tuesday. So there weren't many protests as Breitbart dot com reported uh, during the day uh, in China over the lockdown measures that have uh, in, in, in a way resulted in perhaps dozens. But the Chinese murderous regime says only 10 people 
were locked in a building and couldn't get out because of COVID orders. Only 10 people, two children, they're saying. We have to assume that there were dozens of people who burned up in this fire. Um, in the town of Xinjin, um, I believe I'm saying that right, probably not. There weren't protests during the day Tuesday because, uh, as, as uh, Breitbart News World editor Francis Martel pointed out, people were working during the day. But apparently people flooded the streets Tuesday evening and the protests against the Chinese COVID lockdowns commenced. Uh, the media, as we have reported, is now on this story. The Johnny Come Lately establishment media, but no, no, none of the. I say all that to say that Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, is on his way to Washington D.C. Tim Cook, this from Julie Clover over at MacRumors.com. Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, is scheduled to meet with Ohio Republican Congressman Jim Jordan, California Republican Congressman Daryl Issa, and, and Washington State's Kathy McMorris. Rogers, all of them, uh, uh, Jordan and McMorris Rogers will likely uh, head up committees that are directly overseeing Apple and the entire tech industry. Uh, they'll be heading up the House Judiciary Committee and House Energy and Commerce Committee, respectively. So Apple's obviously dealing with antitrust legislation. Um, they want to be able to do business, Apple does, and especially as it relates to the company's app store policies. So there are, bare, there are apparently five separate bills, they're probably partisan bills, which is just kind of frightening, being considered. And uh, just this week, Twitter CEO Elon Musk spurred lawmaker interest in Apple with his claim that Apple has threatened to, quote, withhold Twitter from its app store. Elon Musk also says that Twitter, excuse me, that Apple has stopped advertising on Twitter. So there's some brewing battles going on. And Tim Cook is probably going to go to Jim Jordan, to Daryl Issa, and to Republican Kathy McMorris Rogers, give him a wink, give him the gun, and say, I scratch your back, please scratch mine. Just make sure that these bills glide through the house. Tim Cook's doing what any good CEO would do. Just do what's good for the bottom line. But I, I got to say that we have to have very serious discussions about Apple. And, and Apple is only representative in this point that I'm making right now. It's just a face of a lot of companies, hundreds, perhaps thousands of countries that are doing business in China, with China. It, I don't know how obvious it can be made that that is a country that we must every single day our operating assumption must be how do we dislocate our economy f from china in every facet whether it be the manufactured products that come over here in terms of trade deals the medical industry medication that that china produces medical devices that china produces I got a report that I probably won't even get to here about how China investing in the exploration of rare earth um, uh, minerals, many of which go into the batteries that maybe some of you listening right now are driving in electric cars. It is worse for the environment, apparently, the construction of an electric vehicle 
than just exploring for, for gas and oil to, to go into uh, the combustion engine. <laughs> um, Cook will also meet with Republican Senator John Cornyn from Texas, Democrat Senator Martin Heinrich from New Mexico and Democratic Senator Brian Schatz of Ohio as Apple aims to steer regulators away from App Store legislation and questions about the company's device manufacturing in China. I mean, that's the big that's that's the big one. There are protests happening right now in a city in China that houses the the largest Apple product manufacturing hub on the planet. And the CEO of Apple is going to meet with largely Republican congressmen and women and senators. He's meeting with some Democrats, too. But the in the House, Kevin McCarthy is about to become speaker with a narrow margin. Well, well, maybe he will become speaker. We'll know more on that later. But Tim Cook's just doing what any good CEO would do. He's trying to protect the bottom line, trying to get a win for the shareholders. Senator Tom Cotton on the Chinese COVID protests, corporate America, for instance, could step up and help fight against China. Clip 19. Do you think that we're helping behind the scenes at all? Well, we're probably not doing enough as that we could. You know, corporate America, for instance, could take steps to help China to help these Chinese citizens communicate with each other. You know, at Apple, which of course is deeply invested in China and has deep market penetration on its iPhones could be enabling certain features that would allow them to communicate with each other so they can organize even larger protests. Mm -hmm. Um, We should be taking every step possible to help these Chinese voice their deepest aspirations for freedom. That's exactly what Ronald Reagan did in the Cold War. It's what we should be doing now. And as as I write, not only the strong, it didn't lead to confrontational war. It led to peace and success and victory. You sure? Yeah, we, we don't have that leadership in the White House. Joe Biden's family currently is, 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 is economically benefiting from deals made by other Biden family members with the Chinese government and the Bank of China. For starters, unprecedented in the history of, uh, of the country, as far as we know, there's never been a sitting president whose family is economically reaping the benefits from business deals with the, 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 the country that he is president of, his greatest mortal enemy, on a whole host of fronts. The Pentagon spokesperson, John Kirby, I do believe that's his title, asked at the White House this week if Biden supports the Chinese protests. He gave a mealy mouth uh, answer. Clip 20. I'm wondering, what is the president's reaction when he hears protesters in China chant freedom or Xi Jinping step down? The president's not going to speak for protesters around the world. They're speaking for themselves. So there's no reaction? These protesters are speaking for themselves. What we are doing is making it clear that we support the right of peaceful protest. Wow. That is the, the president isn't going to speak for these protesters. They're speaking for themselves. Boy, I, I this one, this one's ugly. I mean, this was very ugly. I do believe during the Green Revolution in two thousand nine, like Barack Obama actually was like, "Well, we we feel for the protesters being murdered in the streets of Iran." I mean, I don't think Barack Obama said that, but I, 
I, I'm pretty sure he or nor his spokesperson, maybe it was uh, Gates at the time, didn't say the protesters were speaking for themselves. Wow. I, I, you can't imagine the vice grip that China has on this on this on this White House, Joe Biden right now. Anthony Fauci over the weekend, when given the opportunity to actually call out the Chinese Communist Party, their role in the origins of the pandemic completely punted. And and just it just it, it, Anthony Fauci has lost the plot completely. I'm not even going to play. I'm not even going to play the audio. It's too stupid to play. It's just too dumb. I, I just I cannot. I, it just, I, I don't know. Like it's I'm actually reporting right now from an Apple MacBook, which is sitting next to another Apple MacBook computer. And I have my phone up here. Uh, with 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 it's it's an Apple iPhone. I, I just it's 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 absolutely insane to me. I remember uh, just a week ago asking uh, Francis, like, well, I, what what's it going to take for Apple to just pull their manufacturing out of China? And it's obvious that if you've watched, I don't know, mainstream news media, or if you've just read Breitbart for the last, I don't know, forever, we've been on the China story, particularly as it relates to American industry, particularly Apple, in that city where people are protesting, probably being killed and risking their lives. It's so amazing. I have to make this point. It's obvious to me now. It's just, you know, (laughs) there are tens of thousands of rail uh, workers in America just trying to get a, a negotiated deal so they can get some paid time off and leave off. There are people in China who want to go home. They're being locked into these uh, uh, buildings. Foxconn, the Apple manufacturing uh, facility, they can't even leave. Uh, just just and this is all happening under Joe Biden. It's like the destabilization here in America and around the world is only getting worse. Um, so I got to give you an update on this uh, so-called freedom. Uh, let's see here. So, so-called uh, religious liberty, um, excuse me, respect for marriage act. So the senator from Utah, Republican uh, Mike Lee, lamented that 3,252 without uh, lamented the 3,252 without his religious liberty amendment Tuesday night um, to the uh, uh, Freedom of Marriage Act. Um, calling the move. So his uh, Mike Lee uh, introduced an amendment to this bill. Um, he's, and he said that his amendment failing uh, is discouraging development in our country's storied history of protecting the free exercise of religion. Despite the support of every voting Republican but one, even a Democrat, the Respect of Marriage Act just passed without my amendment, which would have prevented the government from retaliating against religious individuals and institutions for their sincerely held religious beliefs regarding marriage. This is a discouraging development in our country's story history of protecting free exercise of religion. 
While I'm disappointed that my amendment was not included, I remain committed to preserving the religious liberties enshrined in the Constitution. So the same-sex marriage bill passed 61 to 36, I believe about 12, yeah, the same 12 Senate Republicans who initially voted with the Democrats to advance the bill voted for it again. Without Mike Lee's amendment, the legislation will now go back to the House for a vote uh, as early as next Tuesday, where it was uh, first passed over the summer with the help of 47 Republicans. So um, Lee's amendment was the conservatives greatest hope of shoring up this. uh, I am reading from Catherine Hamilton, Breitbart News uh, reporter. Lee's amendment was conservatives greatest hope of shoring up religious liberty protections in the bill and would have prohibited the federal government from punishing individuals, organizations, nonprofits, and other entities based on their sincerely held religious beliefs or moral convictions that, you know, basically a marriage is between one man, a marriage is between one man um, and and one woman. Um, And that is not what this bill recognizes. And the fear is that, uh, say a Catholic school that did not want to hire a uh, LGBTQ uh, or two-spirited teacher to their school would not be face legal retribution from the federal government. That Catholic institution said, you know what? Thank you, but no thank you. And if that individual thought that they were not hired by that Catholic institution to teach or be on the staff or administration or whatever, because they are on the queer spectrum, they could file suit and the federal government, I assume, would step in and punish or come down on or give legal hell to that Catholic institution or that Catholic adoption agency and on and on and on. Mike Lee's amendment apparently would have protected those institutions, those nonprofits. Uh, we're talking about licensing contracts, health benefits, ex- uh, tax exempt status, a lot of stuff going on. So, boy, just going to be one to follow. You know, I, <laughs> oh, man, we don't have enough issues in this country. Um, speaking of if we don't have enough problems, here, here's Republicans, the the worst swamp creatures on the planet, doing the bidding of the worst swamp overlords. So, 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 uh, uh, slap yourself if you heard this one before. Supporters of the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, the JCPA, a bill that would allow corporate media companies to band together in a cartel to collude with big tech companies like Facebook and Google, are mounting yet again a last ditch effort to pass the bill before Republicans take control of the House of Representatives next year, including. The uh, the possibility of adding the JCPA to the so-called must-pass bills like the defense spending bill. This report from Alan Bakari. So uh, a new version of the JCPA set to be introduced in the House of Representatives includes a massive loophole allowing corporate legacy media cartel to collude with big tech companies on censoring their competition. In addition to the financial handouts from big tech companies and big media companies that's from you know, advertising and spending dollars that supporters of the bill somehow consider to be its number one selling point. So, you know, 
Ted Cruz has been an absolute unmitigated failure on this issue. Bakari continues, the possibility of the media colluding with big tech and on censorship nearly killed the bill in the Senate only for it to be rescued at the last minute by an amendment from Senator Ted Cruz. The limp-wristed amendment prevented formal discussions on censorship but still left the door wide open for the exclusion of conservative media to be protected from the worst machinations of this bill. I added that last part. So uh, Senator John Kennedy, the Republican from Louisiana, another turncoat sellout senator who's probably flooding your inbox right now with spin on this bill or he's asking you for money to support this big fight because they got to get this big win. Ted Cruz is selling you out and and Republican Senator John Kennedy is selling you out. You're probably not going to hear from the two of them on on Breitbart News Daily for quite some time. They're screwing you. Oh, boy. Excuse my language. Family show. Um, So you have to believe that that this is an issue that is threatening free speech, Breitbart News, uh, conservative media writ large. Fox News is basically in support of this, but they're so massive that they they, they could survive whatever negative uh, outcomes come from this bill if it is to pass. I don't know how many times we've been over this. And Ted, Ted Cruz can't be the smartest man in the room, but also too stupid and too dumb to know that this is a horrible piece of legislation. Um... Let's see here. Moving right along. Uh, I got to get to this. Frightening for society. California releases thousands of convicted pedophiles within a year of conviction. Some of them within days of being convicted. Uh, So this is from Brecken F. Thieves of Breitbart News. California has released thousands of convicted pedophiles after spending only a few months in prison. I can't even believe that sentence. I'm going to have to power through this. Such pedophiles have been convicted of, quote, a range of horrific acts, including raping kids under 14, end quote, according to a study investigation conducted by the UK Daily Mail. More than 7,000 persons convicted of, quote, lewd and lascivious acts with a child under 14 years of age, end quote, have been released in the same year that they were convicted. Convicted, uh, excuse me, convicts who committed even more heinous crimes, such as sodomy and rape of children, also served short sentences. So here's from the Daily Mail report, quote, thousands of child child victims are being denied justice. And George Gascon and his group of radical prosecutors couldn't care less. End quote. Los Angeles Deputy District Attorney Jonathan Hatami who serves in the complex child abuse unit and whose outspokenness about D.A. Gascon's contributed to the recall effort. So you you can remember, uh, George Gascon just barely survived a recall effort. There were some shenanigans going on in that recall effort with ballads. Of course, it's California. Um... But boy, this is what his office has been up to. It's not just that he's letting out murderers and would-be murderers and, ra- and, 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 and rapists and people who are just committing the worst kind of, of theft and, 
They got serial thievery rings going on. He's letting out rapists of children. Um, just, just, boy, I, I, don't, I just, I can't. I, California has released thousands of convicted pedophiles after spending only a few months in prison. I mean, it just, it just, it's just unbelievable. I, I gotta, I gotta really dig deep here and push through. Um, New York City, from one terrible uh, city in Los Angeles to perhaps a worse one in New York City, Mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, uh, will reportedly involuntarily hospitalize the mentally ill. Under Adams' directive, New York City police officers, firefighters, and health department officials are allowed to involuntarily commit mentally ill individuals if they, quote, cannot support their basic human needs to an extent that causes them harm, end quote. Uh-huh. Yeah. How long before that means you can't back up your conservative or extreme MAGA uh, opinions? How long are we there? Uh, there is an important election in the state of Georgia where I was born and raised, Savannah specifically, on Tuesday, next Tuesday. I, I don't know how much... Uh, more cajoling and encouragement anyone who lives in Georgia who doesn't understand that Raphael Warnock is a threat to democracy yeah election denier too Uh, a new explosive news report from Fox News says Warnock's church repeatedly hosted Leonard Jeffries who's he oh well he's just a former professor who was fired quote over anti-semitic and black supremacist teachings in quote, at the time of his appearance, Jeffries was under fire because of his speech, quote, in which he said that Jews and the mafia had conspired to denigrate blacks in the movies and that Jews had financed a slave trade, end quote. So just just uh, I think uh, MSNBC was trying to tell me that uh, Herschel Walker, it's probably he, he can run in Georgia, even though he has properties in Texas. Constitution doesn't say anything about you having to live in the state that you're running for U.S. Senate in. Uh, just, a, just, just, just more evidence that Raphael Warnock shouldn't be anywhere near a United States Senate seat. Um, the Warnock's church hosted Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. Warnock has celebrated the nation of Islam. Oh, that's just amazing. Warnock eulogized his spiritual mentor, Dr. James. Hall Khan, who's he? Well, he just argued that white Christians are, quote, satanic, end quote, and called for the, quote, destruction of everything white. That's Raphael Warnock's spiritual mentor. I got to tell you, I'm thinking about visiting some family for my birthday in January. That's right, January 6th. They live in Atlanta. I got a lot of family in Georgia. I, I might just go to Raphael Warnock's church. Apparently, he's giving sermons every Sunday. Probably contractually obligated to do it. He, you know, he's got to make that seventy-four hundred housing stipend make sense somehow. Um, yeah, the Biden administration lifting sanctions on Venezuelan oil. Raphael Warnock is voting with Biden to stop stuff like the Keystone Pipeline, thousands of jobs, hundreds of millions of dollars in wages just lost without that project. 866-957-2874. Gave you lots there. I really tried my best to do a rundown. 
Governor uh, Christy Nome, she, it, usually good news when her name's brought up. She's the governor of South Dakota, and that state, under her direction, is banning TikTok for state government workers. The press release reads, today, Governor Christy Nome signed Executive Order 2022-10, which bans the Chinese social media platform TikTok for state government agencies, employees, and contractors using state devices. This order, of course, is in response to the growing national security threat posed by TikTok due to its data gathering operations on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. The order takes effect immediately, the statement continues, and would apply to employees and agencies of the state of South Dakota, including persons and entities who contract with state commissions and authorities or agents thereof. Because of our serious uh, duty to protect private data of South Dakota citizens, we must take this action immediately. Uh, China China has a version of TikTok, but it 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 promotes uh, nationalism and responsibility, accountability, all the things that you would want healthy societies to reflect. But the version of TikTok here in America. As white paper studies have shown, and we've reported at Breitbart News, it is seriously damaging the minds of impressionable young Americans. TikTok's also platforming and boosting left-wing talking points around abortion in the weeks running up to the midterm election. Um, It's just digital fentanyl, as the uh, FCC commissioner uh, called it, TikTok is. What Christy Nome is doing here should be done by at least, I think there are 32 Republican governors, should be ref, should be done by all of them. And if we, if we can't get some sort of federal uh, legislative locomotive going, at least the Republican governors and I don't know, Democratic governors in states, Democrat governors who or Democrat controlled legislatures who care about the fact that a Chinese owned mind control Technology is not only destroying the minds of young young Americans, distracting adult Americans, but it's also siphoning the very um, crucial and lucrative information and personal data to be stored on Chinese servers. Hunt, GOP congressman-elect representing Texas 38th Congressional District. He's an Army vet, West Point grab. The congressman-elect says he's one of many fresh faces coming to Congress committed to changing the old guard and fighting back against a system in Washington that has failed working Americans for far too long. Good morning, congressman-elect. I almost called you congressman, but that wouldn't exactly... You don't put the uh, horse before the cart here. Good morning, Jerome. Thank you for having me on, brother. Really appreciate it, man. I I, I do want to to let the audience know that you uh, are are joining uh, congressman-elect John James uh, from Michigan. Um, So you're both West Point uh, grads. And entering Congress, and the, the the idea, Wesley, was that we we have you and Congressman-elect John James on, but three 
milk chocolate Americans. It was just way too much <laughs> milk, <laughs> milk too chocolate much sexiness. The engineers actually came to us and were like, that's just way too much hotness. So uh, anyway, congratulations. Um, and uh, I'm being told here that you're in D.C. for orientation uh, right now. Um, give us an update. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're what, a month away from being sworn in just about, this has changed your life. There are reasons that you and the family decided to run. Just, just give the audience sort of, um, an update, uh, a view into how things have changed and the way you see the weight of, of your duty and, and responsibility and the oath you're about to take. Oh man, thank you so much for asking me this. This is the, this is the question of the, of the day for me, because it means just so much to all of us. And yeah. I kind of want to add to this. Uh, John James and I <laughs> are actually the first two Black Academy graduates of any academy. Yeah, that includes West Point, uh, Naval Academy, Air Force Academy, uh, Merchant Marine Academy, all of them. Uh, and we are the first two black graduates to ever become congressmen from any academy. Yeah. We have had academies that have become presidents. Jimmy Carter was a Naval Academy graduate president. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, president. Grant, president. We've had senators. We've had heads of states. We've had Mike Pompeo. But never in the history of this country have we had, have we had a black person become a member of Congress from any academy from the premier leadership institutions of our country. And what I want to ask is, is this. There's two of us. <laughs> Same year, we are classmates at West Point, class of 2004, and we are both Republicans. I love that fact. And yeah. the reason why you don't hear this story as much as you probably should is because we are black Republicans, and we are the ones that are breaking the narrative from the left. What we are showing and what we are proving is that we are the party of a meritocracy. You work hard, you have grit, you have determination. It doesn't matter what you look like. The people in our district just want good conservative governance regardless of the color of our skin and that's what this represents and what i hate about the left is that is that they do things just because someone is black just because someone is, is a woman they throw credentials they throw background out the window we're not doing that here in the in, the, in these in these in these cases and i love being a part of that narrative and i love being a part of that story and i come from a military family so uh, my dad served in served in the army he's a retired lieutenant colonel my sister went to West Point, I went to West Point, and my brother went to West Point as well. There's 60 years worth of military service just in my immediate family. And what me being elected to Congress means is that it's an opportunity for me to continue to find ways to serve my country, even after me fighting wars and flying 55 combat air missions in Baghdad in an Apache helicopter. Even though those days are over, this gives me an opportunity to make sure we have a better America for our future. Um, I, I've, I've gone over so much news and I, I sort of brought up that Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, is on his way to Washington. He's going to meet with your soon to be counterpart, uh, Jim Jordan, Daryl Issa, uh, who are going to be uh, overseeing committees that directly affect legislation that would be that would be beneficial to Apple or could uh, negatively impact the that that company, which does massive amount of business in China. And specifically, people are protesting uh, right now in that country at one of Apple's biggest manufacturing hubs. And I was just talking about that story and, you know, you and John James and, and so many other uh, Republicans who 
you know, will will be in your class in January sworn in have taken office. And I sort of said that, you know, people like Wesley Hunt, that that's the new blood that we need in Congress. You know, people who and I'm not saying that this is you, Congressman elect, but I'd like to believe that your operating assumption when you wake up in the morning is how can I defend the Constitution? How can I defend the American people writ large, but my constituents in my in my district? Every single meeting you take, every single uh, missive that you send out, every speech you give, every lobbyist that you let into your office or that you reject from your office, every staffer, every intern you hire, every single decision that you make when you're sworn in has to read down to the benefit of that business owner in your district, that school teacher, that single father or single mother who just wants a better education for their child. And I think a lot of the Breitbart audience and so much of the Sears Patriot audience right now, Wesley, and this isn't your fault, obviously you're, you're the new blood. And I hope that's, that's your operating assumption when you wake up in the morning, but so many people in our audience Congressman-elect, don't believe that the overwhelming majority of the Republican conference fights with every single breath every day for them. Um, And I thought about this. You lost two years ago. You and the family decided to run again. Um, That 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 tells me that there is a reason that you 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 sworn this oath before and in that. Yeah, you will go to Washington and you will be an exception to what feels like a pretty terrible rule right now. You know, there are a few people in this country, less than one percent of us that are actually that die for our Constitution and die for every single American. And I happen to be one of those people. And so just because we lose one time, that doesn't mean that our country is lost. We still need leaders like me that are willing to put the priorities of our country first. And what I do love about our country is that it's not about the past. We don't we don't lament on what happened in the past. We focus on making a better future. And the reason why I always lead with my story and where I've come from and my background, the fact that I am a direct descendant of a slave, only tells you just how much progress we have made just a handful of generations. And we have to make sure we continue to make that progress across all lines in our country for the future. When I lost, I only realized just how much more I wanted to get back into this Hmm. fight and 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 how many voices like this that we need more of in the future. In Houston, Texas, Houston is known as the energy capital of the world. Just about every single major oil and gas company has some kind of play or footprint in the greater Houston area. And in my district, what's known as the energy corridor is entirely in my district. So if Houston is the energy capital of the world, this makes me the energy congressman of the world. Right now, the Biden administration is waging war against our industry, and they're doing it for absolutely no gain to our globe as a whole. We are only going to continue to empower China and Russia and Iran and Venezuela and all these other rogue nations because we refuse to put our people, our taxpaying citizens first in this country. I'm sick of it. I can tell you John James is sick of it. I can tell you what the slew of other veterans that are joining me, Morgan Luttrell, Corey Mills, we are sick of it. And that's why we are literally going to spend time away from our family, 
four or five days a week flying back and forth to Texas. I have two little girls at my house. I have a baby on the way coming up here in January, and I am willing to sacrifice this to make sure that they have a future. That's the kind of leadership we need moving forward. I understand why people are disenfranchised with Washington. I get it. Trust me. But please know that help is on the way. The Calvary is coming. And even though we didn't get the majority that we thought we were going to get a couple of weeks ago, we still have the majority. And we still have an opportunity to turn this country around, build on this, and then make a big statement here in 2024 with taking back the House with a greater margin, playing the Senate and the presidency. That is the voice of Wesley Hunt, GOP congressman-elect representing Texas' 38th district. He's an Army vet, West Point grad. You can follow him at Wesley Hunt TX. Um, I this the the New York Times. You got in a lot of mainstream press. Um, and I have to I have to believe is because you're so well spoken. Uh, and just, just, just good looking, just a good looking guy. New York, <laughs> Thank you, dog. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> the New, New York Times says, um, newly elected black Republican has a message for his party's leaders. I'm not going to read the, the Times piece, Wesley. You have the floor. What is that message for the Republican leadership? The message for, for our party is we have got to do a better job in making sure that we have candidates that actually reflect our country moving forward for the future. I am not saying under any circumstances do we just put people in charge or elect people or proper candidates just because they're black or just because they're women or just because they're people of color. But what I will do, what I will say is when you do find candidates like a John James, like myself, I feel like we as a party have got to coalesce around people like us and make sure that we have the resources necessary for us to win in some of these very close key districts, especially like one John James is in. And look, we just increased uh, uh, our percentage of black representation in the House by 100 percent. We went from two and now we have four. And while that may not seem like a big number, that's the very slow incremental change that it takes because four begats eight. Eight begats 16, 16 yeah. begats 32. And that's how, this, that's how this whole thing changes. I am proud to be a part of the four that gets us eight next time. And that's how we fight this cultural war against the left and understanding that if you are an American in this country, regardless of what you look like, that is our identity and everything else is subsequent to just that. We are Americans first. And I will, and I will, and I will I'll end with this, my man. Mm-hmm. I have friends that did not make it home from combat. I have classmates that did not make it home from combat. They paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And I'm telling you that they didn't die for white people or for black people or for Asian people, or for Hispanic people. They died for their own fellow Americans. We have got to get over this and understand that we have to continue to honor their sacrifice and service, and we have to serve because they are no longer here to serve for themselves. And they didn't care what you look like. They just want you to know that we died for our fellow Americans, and that's the fight that we have got to take back to Washington. It's Wesley Hunt, ladies and gentlemen, GOP congressman-elect from Texas, Army vet, West Point grad. Um... Congressman-elect, I have sort of a list of, of issues, and I got to tell you, when I'm filling in for Alex, the, the top five or ten issues sort of, they, they, they change a little bit. 
Um, but you know, stuff like today, China's a big is a big story, and you know, I've I've compared that communist regime to other mass murdering regimes that we've seen uh, in, in this world in the past. Um, but you are about. 20 hours from uh, the border and not technically because you're in D.C., but your di- your district in Texas is right. it's hard. It's hard to, 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 to say that, you know, the border security, the drugs, the sex trafficking, the human smuggling, the mass graves on both the Mexico and Texas border, the billions of dollars the cartels are making. It's hard not to make that issue number one, but I am interested in, you know, it doesn't, I'm not going to hold you, and I don't think the audience is going to hold you to, you know, the the order of your issues, the things that you would like to see the House majority tackle, Um, but what's top mind for you um, in terms of being the legislative tip of the spear um, in the new majority? Sure, so for me, I think, you know, I was talking about Houston, being energy capital of the world and in my, in my district being an energy centric district. And that's obviously my top issue because all 800,000 people that live in my district are in some way tangentially related or in some way touched by the energy and oil and gas industry. And that's what I must represent. The border also impacts us tremendously, and it is a human rights issue. It is an issue of national security. It is an issue of national resources that we are completely abandoning our responsibility of the federal government, which which is to keep our people safe. And we have seen over four and a half million people enter our country illegally and the fentanyl to enter our country to kill every single American five times. That is criminal, it is un-American, and it must stop. And I see it every single day being in Texas. And then you wonder why Hmm. we take away people's Second Amendment rights, and then we have an open border, and then we have a war on our oil and gas industry, and then we enter this hyperinflated state because of bad policymaking, and then you wonder why people are pissed off and upset. You can't do all these things at the same time and expect people to be satisfied with their leadership. And then lastly, of course, and I think you are absolutely, you're absolutely right about the order of this, our economy, yeah. inflation. This is something that we have got to tackle. People in my district are having to decide whether or not I'm going to go to work today or buy medicine. Do I take my kids to school today or do I go to work? And we are sitting here on the Permian Basin in Texas, the Marcellus Shale, and all of these natural resources right here at our feet. And we are going to rely on Venezuela and Iran to supply us with energy. It's absolutely criminal. Those are my top three issues, the oil and gas industry, of, of, of the border, and the economy. And, and look, there's many more, obviously. Sure. We, don't have enough, we, have, we don't have enough time today to figure, to figure those things out. Uh, this administration has been disastrous to all of us, but those are my top three issues. I, uh, <laughs> e- e- edu- education to me, I kind of, I kind of want to ask you. Um, I- I'll say this: you know, the f- former President Donald Trump has announced uh, his reelection campaign, and Congressman-elect, I've been for months, and maybe the audience might be tired of hearing it, but, but, but thankfully, maybe for them, I'm not the full-time host. I just feel like <laughs> Donald Trump should embed himself on the border, in those border towns, uh, the farmers, the ranchers, the small business owners, the teachers who, and the school administrators who are having to live daily with the consequences of the open border, that is schools filling up, resources in towns 
being run, law enforcement being stretched thin, I think the president should embed himself. The Congressional Black Caucus did an audit of their districts in, a, in about 2005, and they've never done another one again. And it's probably because, on average, the, dish, the Congressional Black Caucus districts had poverty rates two and sometimes three times the national average. Education was horrific. Crime was terrible. I think Donald Trump should embed himself in those areas, in the blue cities, the Pittsburghs, the, the Philadelphias, the Detroits, uh, the Chicago's, uh, everywhere, and, and, and bring a message on education. It's a winning issue across all racial backgrounds, uh, income levels uh, of educational freedom. And, and just simply ask the question over and over and over again. Do you believe that you have been represented correctly, fairly, honestly? The, the people who you routinely elect to fix the problems that many of them help create, their lives have gotten better, but have yours. I, I just, and maybe he will do that. But um, does does that does any of that make sense to you? And I guess my larger question is, why doesn't the Republican Party campaign that way? Why don't they just say the hell with it and throw out convention and go meet people exactly where they are? Not necessarily even in election years, but just and I know I know the RNC is doing a lot of that. I know they're doing a lot of Latino outreach and a lot of black American outreach and, and the like. And the results in the elections, the party is growing on just about every racial, ethnic income background. But I just I don't feel like uh, I've seen enough and I feel like we could see more. But anyway, your thoughts. But it's, it's, this is going to be some incremental change that we were talking about earlier, uh, and that is President Trump got the highest black vote of any Republican in modern history. And I'm not saying he was blowing the doors, the, the barn doors off, but at the end of the day, yeah. he did very well amongst black men. And that's because people are realizing that this is a party that has been in charge for the past of black communities for the past you know, since, since since the civil rights era, since 1964. And and what has actually happened in these communities has, has been absolutely abysmal. And yet they continue to elect these people that have poor policies that completely destroy their own communities. It, it makes no sense to me. But there is some cultural history there that we have to always keep in mind. And there's some generational history that we have to always keep in mind. And so how do we fight against some of that generational and some of that cultural history? I think we do that by electing people like me and like people like John James and Burgess Owens and Senator, Senator Tim Scott and B. Diddy. I mean, I call Byron Donald out of Florida B. Diddy. That's like, well, that, that, that's my boy. And yeah. people like us can yeah. take this message to not just the white community, to not just the Hispanic community, not just to the black community, but to all communities, to give people an opportunity to say, you know what, actually, you know, I, I'm a brother, and you know what, I don't agree with anything on the Democrat platform, and here are some guys right here that speak my language, and I know what's happening because I get messages every single day about this. And then also, people like me that get elected are very unique and very interesting. Jerome, I come from a district, and I got elected in a district that's 72% white. I ran against nine other people in the, in the Republican primary, and I won it outright by 30 points. I got, I got almost 60% of the vote against 10 people in the Republican primary, and they're all white people. And I beat my Democrat opponent, a white man, by 30 points, almost 30 points a couple of weeks ago. And I tell you that story because they did not vote for me in that district just because I was a black guy. 
they voted for me because I was the best candidate. And this is what our party has got to do as well, is find the best candidate, let the chips fall where they may, and then rely on our better policy issues and how we articulate that. And that's how you start to permeate this veil of, of, of inconsistency in minority communities from the Democrat Party. Again, it takes time. It can't happen overnight. But I do think we are making subtle and slow progress because let's just call it what it is. We got four black, we got four brothers right now yeah. in our representatives, four. That, that actually is saying something. And then also, I, like, I want to point out is, we have one black senator, that's Tim Scott. But the Democrat Party, well, they only have, they only have two. They aren't exactly killing it either. They are literally lying to the American people and saying, we are the party of diversity, but you only have one more black senator than we have. Yeah. We cannot let them get away with that kind of messaging either. We've got to call them out on who they are and what they are, about their divisive policies, about their identity politics, and we have to be the party of a meritocracy. Let the cream rise to the top, and then that's who we elect. If we continue to do this cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle, I think we are going to wake up in 10 years from now, and we're going to say, you know, maybe we don't have 13% of the population being being uh, 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 black black people. But you know what? We got the six, seven percent. Yeah. And we got to build on that and keep going. And I think I think that we are the party right now with the right messaging, with what we're seeing in China, with what we're seeing across the world, that we still are that city on a hill. We still are that place that the entire world looks up to. And we have to fight for our freedoms every single generation or we could end up like China. Let's be honest. Yeah. The left was trying to lock us down, too, for two years. Yeah. What happened in China can happen to us if we aren't careful. We have to continue to be the example for the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Republican Congressman-elect from Texas, Wesley Hunt. Uh, Congressman-elect, thank you so much for joining the program. God bless you. Thank you for having me, man. Anytime, let me know. Happy to do it. Absolutely. Congratulations. <laughs> This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening. I got stars in my-